The Start On Demand. On demand. We had a real treat in studio today. A four-year-old boy named Atlas Axel who plays the drums and plays them well. He brought his drums and played for us with his dad, Tyler Deva. They're in a band called Crystal Calibration. Played his drums for us and played for you. And you're going to dig it. The doctor who recommended the closure of some of our emergency rooms is coming back to Winnipeg. We'll chat about that and continue the discussion on what to do with Concordia. The Winnipeg Wine Festival is on this week. Public tastings this weekend. 529 Wellington Somalia. Christopher Sprague joins us to help you navigate the wine fest to get the best experience. And which fast food item do you miss the most? Remember the McDLT? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, May 3rd podcast for The Start. Things are going to be a little different for the next 10 days because Greg's in Europe. He's leading a guided tour of the beaches of Croatia and the Adriatic coast and the historic landscapes of Slovenia with Journeys by Escapes and Colette Vacations. You want to learn more about that, just Google Greg Mackling Croatia and you'll find it. Lucky him indeed. But today it's going to be extra weird because normally in studio it's Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. But today there's no Mackling and there's no McNabb. It's just me. I feel a little bit like another M. McAllister, as in Kevin McAllister. I made my family disappear. Well, almost just me. McNabb isn't in studio, but she is here, I hope. Hi, McNabb. I think I'm here. Hello. You feel like you're in Home Alone? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Just, I'm all by myself. Well, Forte's here. I get that. Well, I know. I feel kind of weird myself. I'm like staring at a blank wall. I'm still in my pajamas. I have no socks on. Like I haven't brushed my hair. Wow. These are the upsides. These are the upsides, Brett, from being at home. Yeah, you're living the dream uh, if you're you're in your pajamas and no socks. So, so what's the deal? Obviously, we don't need to get into specifics, but why are you at home? I'm lazy. Oh, good. <laughs> no. So my uh, my husband's on an on-call shift and he has these every once in a while and we just couldn't swing it today to manage the kids and his job and my job. So we're attempting this from home. So that's a good thing to bring up because the kids, I think, are sleeping right now. But if you hear any running around or knocking on doors, that's them. I gave them very clear instructions last night with times to which they were allowed to knock on the door. So we'll see if they follow that. But yes, husband is working. So here I am trying something new. Now, Greg and I often joke that kids ruin everything. And, and it's, it's times <laughs> like this where I, I'm happy that I've made a decision not to have kids. But one of the reasons as well is because I, I often wonder, like, how do working parents do it? Like if one of your kids suddenly just falls sick and neither you're both at work, like what do you do? Yeah, it, honestly, and it's not until you're in it, you always think, oh, it couldn't be that big a deal, right? Like someone will be around to help out, but our family lives a, w- a ways away from us. So they're great, but we can't rely on them in a pinch. And, you know, at some point you just have to kind of say like, okay, well, what's plan B? Then what would plan C be? So I think we're on like plan E right now. We're executing plan E. And uh, I don't know, like I feel super uncomfortable right now. I, don't, I think this might be the first time in my life where I haven't gone into work, like said in advance, I'm not coming into work tomorrow. I can't make it work. And so I'm kind of like all nervous about it. 
Well, yeah, I would imagine you feel sort of out of sorts because you're in an unfamiliar working environment. You're, you're, you don't have the, the stuff around you that you're used to, so you're out of your routine. And I know that when I'm derailed from a routine, I have a really hard time getting settled into something new to the point where it's kind of like what's more of a distraction than anything. But you, I see you've, you've posted on your Twitter, McNabb on global, uh, that, uh, you, you've got the, the coffee pot there. And, uh, I'm assuming there, is there a cardboard box full of a different kind of beverage on the side? Maybe <laughs> we'll see how this goes. We'll save the, I've saved the box for like eight, eight a.m. Is that an acceptable time? Hey, <laughs> You maybe you have a, just, a Caesar? Yes. We, talked, we said yesterday, a breakfast Caesar, I think, on our shift is perfectly acceptable. As, as long as it has what in it, Brett? Celery! What needs to be, thank you. As long as it has. Somewhere Greg Macklin's in Europe cringing. Well, he actually posted a picture, I think, uh, or did he post it on his Twitter of what he, he's got himself, one of those giant German mugs of Stein. beer. Yeah, Stein, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. Yeah, no, he's going for it. I mean, I guess in his defense, it is what time over there, like two in the afternoon or something? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, two. He was drinking a Palaner. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, but yeah, so Greg's on his way over there. You mentioned Celery McNabb. We're going to be talking more today about the price of groceries. And uh, as far as you love the celery, but how much of it are you buying lately? None. None. I haven't purchased any salary. And you know, it sounds silly because if you put your stuff in your grocery cart, you're like, okay, well, it's $2 more. Like, what's the big deal? Or it's $3 more. Except for we go through a lot of vegetables in our house. Like, kids love veggies and dip and all the rest. And it's just not affordable. Like, I just can't bring myself to say this salary is worth five bucks a bunch. So I'm not doing it. And I don't know when that's going to come down to do it again. And then as it goes up, we've been talking about other things coming down. Like, do you actually shop, Brett, to say like, okay, well, I can't afford this steak this week so I'll switch to pork or do you just buy what you want I usually just buy what I want but there are times where I will say oh boy like three dollars for a, a head of lettuce if it's if it's a hearty head of lettuce then I don't mind but sometimes you get this head of romaine lettuce that has like four sheets on it and uh, you go and it's three dollars and I'll, I'll say well I guess I'm not having romaine lettuce this week I'll just have something else so I, I I will be conscious or cheese for example if I go to buy a block of cheese and it's thirteen dollars as opposed to its sale price of seven or eight bucks then I'll just say forget it I don't need it that bad so there are decisions I make on that celery is something that I should consume more, but I I don't. And I guess now that it's five, six bucks, maybe I'll be waiting as well. Loren, we've been talking this week about how there is plenty of sticker shock at the grocery store these days. Oh, is there ever celery is up, tomatoes up, potatoes, which you always think are kind of, you know, this innocuous thing. They're even up in price. But food experts are actually predicting over the next few months, the price of meat will go down. That was part of a recent forecast made by experts at various universities. And then we've also heard over the last 24 hours that China has suspended imports of Canadian pork over a possible labeling issue, which could also impact meat prices. And then, of course, there's this other thing we've been talking about this week, and that's the fact more Canadians are choosing vegetables 
over meat. Dalhousie University actually did a survey uh, just recently of about a thousand Canadians, and it found more than half of them are going to choose to eat less meat in the year ahead. Getty Stewart is a Winnipeg home economist, and we've got a lot of questions about this. Getty, she joins us now. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Well, I'm a big meat eater, Getty. I was just even uh, talking the other day about my love of bacon and steak and all the rest. And so I'm curious how meat affects my body, either in a good way or bad way, which I perhaps don't think about. Uh, well, I'm not uh, a registered dietitian, but um, too much meat and too much saturated feet, uh, fat is is a concern. And what we're looking at is uh, the kind of meat and food that people are choosing, and often it's more the processed kind. So uh, certainly a nice lean steak versus your bacon, uh, you know, there's some differences there in, in how that's going to react in your body and any time that we're adding uh, processing to that um, like the nitrites and the and the sausages and uh, the processing that goes into that is a little bit more dangerous for us to uh, to consume and so that's tied to some of the chronic illnesses that uh, that we want to avoid hence the recommendation to eat a variety of foods and to add more plant protein uh, to our diet so that's the recommendation out of Canada's new food guide. What about when you eat uh, like a ground beef patty, for example, if you're having a burger and you want to have some, you know, ground beef, is that, does that qual- fall into the processed stuff you're talking about? You know, again, check the ingredients. What, what is going into that ground patty if it's 100% uh, beef? or 100% meat and not a lot of fillers and added ingredients, then uh, by all means, really, like, enjoy. So when I make the decision, say I want to replace meat or at least eat more veggies, how do I manage that? Like, are, they, are there things in, my, in the meat that I need to go to the right vegetables to replace in terms of protein and all the rest? So, um, you know, eating more plant-based proteins or, or going to, to a more vegetarian type of diet or even a vegan diet, um, you can fairly easily, if you look for it and if you know what you're looking for, um, get all the proteins that, that your body needs. So protein actually isn't the big challenge for, for, uh, for just plant eaters. Um, the challenge is in some of the other nutrients like the, the vitamin B12 and iron and so forth. So if you are choosing to go more and more or even whole uh, vegetarian or vegan, those are the things that you need to sort of um, be very cautious of and educate yourself on. So you do need to look for those dark leafy greens if you're um, trying to get some of the iron and calcium and uh, protein. Now, it is a little bit more challenging for our body to absorb those. Uh, so uh, adding a little bit of citrus or some um, uh, vitamin C source like sweet peppers or citrus uh, helps with that absorption when we're looking at plant-based uh, irons. Um, you know, I'm making it sound more complicated than it is. Eat your nuts and seeds. Eat your your peas, your legumes, your beans, your uh, your lentils, um, and just eat a variety of foods. And really, that's what uh, what the new food guide is saying. 
eat a variety of foods. Get everything on your on your plate and mix and match all the time, and you'll be good to go. Now, Getty, uh, we just want to follow up on something you chatted about yesterday on Hal Anderson Afternoons, and that's the Beyond Meat and the Beyond Burgers. Uh, because when when uh, we first started talking about this about a year ago, uh, what we were hearing was that they, they're just power-packed with plant protein. But some of our listeners this week were cautioning us, saying, well, hold on a second. Have you looked at the ingredients list? And then, as you pointed out yesterday, it's maybe not necessarily better for you than meat. Are these burgers bad for you? You know, I, good or bad is is not a great label for uh, for for foods. Again, it's it's uh, how much of it are you eating? Um, are you making it, you know, a consistent, regular part of your diet? The key thing that I recommend is look at that ingredient list, um, and are you happy with 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 what's in that list of ingredients. And I certainly prefer less processed foods over more processed foods. So um, personally, I would prefer a 100% meat burger uh, versus something that has a lot of added ingredients and is over overly processed. So, but that's, that's a personal um, preference for sure. Uh, but it, you know, even even the food guide doesn't say stop eating beef, stop eating meat. It says choose a variety of protein foods, add more plant-based proteins. Here in Canada, we're really good at eating meat-based proteins. Like we're really good at getting lots of dairy. We're really good at eat, eating lots of meat. What we're not so good at is mixing in some plant-based proteins. And that's what the guide is encouraging us to do is, hey, Check out some variety. Check out the beans. Check out the lentils. Eat if you eat more nuts and beans. Eat whole grains. So looking for that variety, and as much as possible, making it less processed. The less processed, um, the more direct you're getting those those nutrients. So if I go home then and eat a meat lovers pizza, is that okay? There's a variety of of meats on it. There's a variety of meat, but what are, what are the meat choices that you're getting and how are those made? Yeah. Getty Stewart is a Winnipeg home economist joining us live on 680-CJOB. Getty, thank you for rejoining us after the conversation with Hal yesterday. We appreciate it. You betcha. Take care. So many people excited for the long-awaited, highly anticipated Valor FC. They kick off tomorrow at Investors Group Field. Now, we know they've already won their first game, which was played Wednesday night in Victoria. But we know there's something pretty special about playing in front of a hometown crowd. And they get the chance to do that with kickoff tomorrow at 5. Wade Miller is the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club and joins us now this morning. Good morning, Wade. Good morning. How's everybody this right, morning? We're good. Before we get to the soccer or the football, I don't, I'm not quite sure what to call it. I just want to ask you about the other football in the draft last night with the Bombers using five of their nine draft picks to bolster their offensive and defensive lines. Do you feel like you've plugged all the holes you need to as we head into the season? Yeah, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle and Mike uh, were extremely happy with our draft yesterday and uh, our assistant GM as well, Ted Gabaya, and I'm sure every other team in the CFL wakes up feeling the same way because you've got to chose your players that you wanted, but we felt that we uh, you know, did very well with uh, the players that were on our list and look forward to seeing this young man, uh, young men come and compete uh, when CFL training camp opens. Now, wait, as we switch from one football, gridiron football, to the beautiful game, soccer, how excited are you and your, your team as we get set to watch the inaugural home match? Yeah, we're looking forward to hosting uh, Manitoba's uh, soccer fans here tomorrow. 
at Investors Group Field. Uh, just it's going to be a great opening inaugural match and bring professional soccer back to Manitoba, which um, you know, based on ticket sales, have a uh, huge response and uh, really looking forward to seeing all the soccer fans in our in our community out for this game and supporting Valor FC all year long and. And we've seen that uh, strength since we announced the team last June and just been building to this uh, day tomorrow. I think there's a pretty incredible buzz out there, Wade. Do you have any sense right now about how many tickets have been sold for tomorrow or how many fans we might see there? Uh, We're we're just uh, close to 8,000, so uh, really positive. We had to open six more sections on the west side, so opportunity to still buy tickets for the game. Uh, but, you know, we just have great support um, from amateur soccer to our founding season ticket members and the corporate community as well. So it's just been uh, it's going to be a great start and great launch to the Canadian Premier League in, in Manitoba. Now, wait, whenever the World Cup or a big uh, the big international events come around, that's when we, we all pay attention. But I think for many of us here in Winnipeg, we're all sort of learning the different terminology, kit, match, pitch, etc. Uh, so has it, what did, I guess, I'm curious to know, how much of a soccer fan were you going into this adventure? <clears throat> Zero, uh, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we've been working on it quietly across the country since 2014 to, you know, create this Canadian Premier League, which will give Canadians the opportunity to play professional soccer and and one day get Canada's men's national team back into World Cup qualifying and and it starts with having your own domestic uh, tier one professional league and that's what this uh, league the Canadian Premier League is about and it's built for Canadians by Canadians and and we take that a little further with Valor FC with our uh, general manager and head coach Rob Gale with uh, 33% of our team right now uh, being from Manitoba, um, so local soccer players are, are getting the opportunity to play professional soccer, which a year ago they didn't have that opportunity, and that's the, that's the same across the country. So uh, competing at a higher level with, with the international players that we bring in across the league and on Valor um, is going to give these kids and Canada soccer the boost it needs to get back to you know status at World Cup games. Well, I know, Wade, there's lots of kids in our community that are super excited for the chance to see some homegrown talent and kind of give them that vision or dream if they have their own desires to play soccer someday professionally. But you mentioned you had zero uh, interest or knowledge, I guess, of the game. That's largely because you're a football player. So I'm going to put you on the spot and say, who do you think's tougher, gridiron football players or or soccer football, pitch football players? Who's tougher? Uh, That's an easy answer. Uh, they are both very different athletes. Uh, I will never step on a soccer pitch um, because there is no way that I'm keeping up with all that running and, and the fitness level. And uh, every, you know, both types of football are great athletes. And you know, over that period of time and discovering soccer, I've come to have an appreciation for how talented uh, all, all these athletes are that play soccer and. Uh, you know, really, uh, the sport has really grown on me. And, and you see the excitement that we had when we had the FIFA Women's World Cup here and the friendly matches that we've had, and you, and you get to see it played live. And, you know, it's the world's game, and, and you can see why. Um, and it's just uh, it's great for our community, and, and it just, uh, you know, opens up uh, Investors Group Field to a whole new group 
of fans that just weren't coming to concerts or bomber games. And, and we see that our fan service team is, you know, helping people understand where to sit in the stadium. They've never been to investors group field. Um, so there's just this whole group in the community of, of people that just love the world's game. And, and now they get to cheer for Valor and, and cheer for their professional team in their city and their province. Wade Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club and Valor FC. Thank you very much for joining us today and have fun tomorrow for the inaugural home match. Great. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Mackling McGarry and McNabb. Mackling's on, on his way to Croatia. McNabb's working from home. We'll bring her in in a moment, along with Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Jeff Forte. Want to play something for you here? from Burger King. Not everybody wakes up happy. Sometimes you feel sad, scared, crappy. All I ask is that you let me feel my way. Pale and blue, kinda down. Can't wait to leave this closed-minded town. My boss is such a freaking creep. I just told him to go. Yeah, we'll just cut that there. So they Burger King, what they've done is they have launched sort of an alternative to the Happy Meal from McDonald's. And McNabb found this on a website, WYRK.com. Country 106.5 WYRK in Buffalo. First of all, McNabb, what are you doing uh, looking at Buffalo country music website station? <laughs> know that that's what it was i don't know it came across my feed yesterday and i i my first thought was like this is a terrible idea it made me uncomfortable and then i realized they actually partnered with the mental health association in the states for this so i was like i thought it was a terrible campaign but i I don't know i guess if it's about awareness and also bd mcdonald's clearly then then i'm okay with it so they've got five meals in these real meals there's a blue meal a salty meal uh yes meal uh there's a there's a I can't. I don't even want to say it. It's, it starts with the the letter P, and it sounds like missed meal. And then there's D G A F, which means don't give a. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, McNabb, why do you think this is a bad idea? Well, I just like I said, like I think that I was worried that you know if you're struggling with a mental health issue, would you feel like you were being made fun of, or would you enjoy the idea of pulling up in front of that window and shouting, "I want a peed off meal," and then like whipping it out the window or something? Like I don't know. <laughs> so. I was in- initially uncomfortable if the health association's on board i guess it's okay but i don't know i don't know if i'm definitely not going to make me go there more although my kids do love it so they'll probably love yelling something like this out the window jeff braun uh the thing i it seems like a bad idea in that if you're feeling down and blue you shouldn't be turning to junk food to make yourself feel better it's Uh, it's akin to turning to drugs or alcohol in many respects so frankly i don't understand how they're getting away with it that doesn't i don't otherwise i don't really care i would never eat it anyways but yeah and what about you uh kelly yeah i'm not uh really much of a big fast food person anyway so uh, it's not going to lure me in. Uh, I, I think it's kind of opportunistic. And, and you know, more the more I hear you talking about it, it almost smacks of desperation. You know, if you're sinking to this uh, to try and, uh, you know, meet the uh, the challenge of your competitors, because I, I, I don't mind creativity. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I admire it. But I don't 
I don't really find this too creative. I I, I actually find it kind of cheap, to well, tell you the truth. The, now, the quote from Burger King, uh, from the group's president and chief executive, Paul Gianfrido, says, while not everyone would think about pairing fast food and mental health, Mental Health America believes in elevating the conversation in all communities in order to address mental illness before stage four, when someone has severe symptoms. So Burger King is using its... You know, it's big business to discuss the importance of mental health to bring much-needed awareness to this important and critical discussion and letting its customers know that it's okay to not be okay. So, I, <laughs> like, if you're if you're feeling, you know, you're sad or whatever and you just, I don't want to cook today, I'm just going to go get a, a cheeseburger and then you walk into McDonald's and there's the, the happy meal, but you're not feeling happy. It's I admit it's not something I'd ever thought of. So maybe the... The, the blue meal would appeal to me or the, or the peed off meal. Uh, but the, the other part of this conversation that I was curious about, just in general terms of, of fast food promotions, Kelly, you say you're not a, a big fan. Was there a time where oh, you used to? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, and not that long ago either. But, you know, you, you, you reach a certain point and you understand that, uh, and, and I'm not against anybody going through the fast food uh, window and, and uh, you know, grabbing a, a bag of burgers or whatever. It's just it, at, at this stage of my life, I've got to be a little bit more careful with what I eat. So if I did go, I would probably seek out their salads or, you know, something along that line to, to, to munch into. Was but, there ever a time where were you a McDonald's pizza guy, for example? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when I, I remember we used to go in my, I get in my 1964 Pontiac Strato to go uh, make the trek to the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver or Queen's Park Arena in New Westminster to watch the Canucks of the New Westminster Bruins. And uh, it was nothing to buy two Big Macs, a supersized fries, a cherry pie, and a chocolate shake Good. for the road. Wow. That's yeah. a, that's impressive. A week's there. worth of calories in one bag. Yeah, but back then I was a strapping 5'10", 135-pounder yeah. soaking wet. So, and Jeff Braun, you threw your arms up. Oh, I love the pizza. Yeah. I, I, yeah. In college, I mostly ate McDonald's pizza, I would say, honestly. McNabb? Five times a week. Yeah. Did you eat Jeff, the McDonald's did you pizza? Go, did you go to school in Brandon, Jeff? I did. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the time when the pizza came, and I think Brandon was one of the test markets, and I, I will forever be upset about the day they decided to stop making Agreed. that pizza. It was so good. I don't think I ever had the pizza. Forte, I don't even think I, you were I, around. I, well, I, I was around. So, some of my friends uh, remember it. I don't. I have no memory of the McDonald's pizza. Wow. Yeah, I feel like I might be the only person who never tried it. Wasn't it, it served, like, an, it was a little... Yeah, little it was a little round. individual one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wow. think it was people liked it so much because you could get it was just a small pizza and then you could have like a quarter pounder with it, which is, I, I understand <laughs> yeah. is wrong, but yeah. it was just this <laughs> tiny pizza with a burger. Yeah. I think it wasn't an amazing pizza. It was just the idea you could have it all. I think. What about taking the pizza and putting it in the burger? So you have a quarter pound oh, pizza Lord. burger, <laughs> or get two pizzas and put the burger in between the pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> McNabb, just want to read a couple of the text messages that we have on the fast food items that you miss from the days of yore. And Don says the best fast food burger no longer available is the McDLT. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? 
I don't. What does the D stand for? I, I can't. Oh. Like just McDonald's? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I think it was a burger where it was served like where the, the, the it was split in half. Like it was a two sided box. So like the one side was the, the bottom bun and the patty and cheese. And then the, the other one was the top patty and the lettuce and the tomato. I don't know why they served it like that. Uh, but that, oh boy, that's the early 1980s, I think. And uh, Dennis says the A&W whistle dog. And then Kristen says, I got nothing on the fast food question because uh, they still bring back the beloved chicken fries on occasion. But I would like to make a request. If McNabb cuts out again, I think you should just quietly sing the 70s hit all by myself. Seems like the classy thing to do. <laughs> oh, my God. For, that was like lightning forte. Did you that? <laughs> I read the text message a little bit beforehand, but I I, I just fast forward to this part now. (laughs) I feel like you should sing it though, McNabb, because you're all by yourself at home. I am all by myself. Well, my kids are here. I'm begging them to not knock down the door right now, but I I think you should take this away, man. This is your day. It's your time to shine. All by myself. (laughs) Oh, that feels sad. Yeah, that well, it's because I can't sing. So, hey, keep those uh, fast food text messages coming in at 204-780-6868. Small town salute. We're going to take two at 715. But, Loren, uh, let's start this hour with health care. Yeah, you've been hearing in the news with Jeff Braun about some changes or proposed changes that were supposed to be happening very soon. Uh, well, now it sounds like we're pushing pause a bit, and that's because the doctor and health consultant who recommended closing three Winnipeg emergency rooms and converting two to urgent care is being invited to come back to Manitoba to see if the second phase should even move ahead as planned. So we all should probably remember it was just over two years ago that the government implemented the recommendations made in that report by a man by the name of Dr. David Peachy. So we've already gone ahead and done the changes to Victoria and Misericordia. Concordia was up next with the closure of its ER scheduled for next month. But now Manitoba's health minister says they want to hear from Dr. Peachy again. What it means is we've said to Dr. Peachy, uh, please examine certain areas of the transformation of the healthcare system, including the Concordia Hospital and the proposed uh, transition date for the function of that hospital. That is scoped in. Uh, that Dr. Peachy will be examining the timeline for those decisions, uh, the, the manner in which we will continue to provide outpatient care uh, and other factors as well. So with that review scheduled to start, it's possible the timeline, and it certainly sounds like the timeline is shifting. It's also possible that the change could include a change in heart on Concordia's closure, but the health minister says that's unlikely. Well, what I think that would be is a very remote possibility because you're asking the author of the original report that said, Manitoba has a very large and expensive healthcare system that is poorly aligned and doesn't get good results. And one of the reasons for that, he said, was because there were too many ERs with variable levels of service at each. So it was his original plan that said, it actually makes more sense to align system resources better, to allow medical practitioners and providers to work in better collaboration 
and then to transition some of those places to other levels of care. That was his plan. I think it's unlikely that he would come back now and say uh, that the system was fundamentally flawed. I believe we have confidence in our plan that it's working, and we know it's working in areas including surgery and anesthesia and mental health and addictions, but we want to make sure to ask for advice where we feel that more resourcing is necessary. That's the health minister, Cam Friesen. I actually talked to Dr. David Peachy a couple years ago when he was supposed to make these changes, Brett, and I asked him, do you honestly believe in two years' time the system will be better? And his answer was yes. So we put a call out to him again to see what's he coming here to really study and does he still believe in that super strong statement that the system is improving? I think it kind of depends on where you're living. Like if you're in that Concordia area right now, you're are you hoping that it doesn't close or do you think, yeah, are you starting to come on board with the idea that these changes could make a difference? Well, I when I had had to spend a lot of time at Concordia Hospital when my mom was in, uh, Greg has referenced it this week, the, the election-style signs that are on the lawns. They're all over the place in that neighborhood to keep that ER open. Uh, for me, I live in St. Boniface. I can walk to the hospital in 10 minutes, so I'm okay. But if I was not there and I was in... Transcona or somewhere in north or northeast Winnipeg, I'd be wondering, well, what do I do? Like, what do you do when there is a genuine emergency and you need to get to an, emer- an ER and you got to drive 20, 30 minutes to get to a hospital? So I certainly understand why people in that part of the city are concerned at the very least. And you all just have to keep in mind that, so there's, it sounds like they're tapping the brakes again. And they did this last year too. Like we were supposed to have these Concordia and Seven Oaks changes a lot sooner than this summer. And now it sounds like we might see a delay on those again. And so that pushes back that timeline too on any rural healthcare changes. But I think that we have to, I think it just depends on where you are as to what you would do or what hospital you would take yourselves to. And at the end of the day, if it is an emergency, I guess the message is you're supposed to be calling an ambulance and not trying to decide which facility to go to. I don't know, McNabb. So uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out, I guess, here. And before we uh, get to the small town salute, I just want to quickly, when I, we talked about the McDLT, just circling back to fast food because Don suggested the McDLT, like 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 this, rapid fire was like a text Uzi. We got texts from Don, from Tom, from Tim, from Damien, and then uh, an anonymous listener here who all said it was, the DLT was to keep the hot side hot and the cold side cold. Uh, so that's why they separated the burgers and you had the double-sided box. So does that ring any bells? No, I, I honestly, I've Googled this. I looked at the commercials. I don't know what anybody is talking about here. I also enjoyed this text. I don't know if you saw, uh, Brett, about the um, listener who wishes they would put a, make a steak burger but it would have to be called the mixtake, which wouldn't pass any focus groups because mistake of an a sandwich. <laughs> oh, my God. I did see that text good. and I didn't put that together because I am slow. Uh, but thank you very much for that Mick feedback. Steak. Uh. <laughs> Earlier this morning, we were having a conversation about how Burger King is launching what they call real meals. Or they're also being called unhappy meals. It's sort of a counter to the McDonald's happy meal. And it's in partnership with Mental Health America because they're saying, hey, not everyone is happy all the time. Sometimes you you want a blue meal or sometimes you want a yas meal. Or maybe you want a DGAF meal. Don't give a... Because... 
you're not always happy. And that got us into a conversation about fast food items that we miss. And at 204-780-6868, we got a lot of text messages regarding the McDLT, to which I wondered aloud, why did they separate that again? Because I remembered they had the two-sided box where uh, the, the lettuce and tomato were on one side and the patty was on the other. And then we got a just an avalanche of texts all at once saying, it's to keep the hot side hot and the cold side cold. And we're getting all kinds of texts on McDonald's pizza. Eve says, my favorite fast food was the fries that the restaurant in St. Pierre made back in the early 90s. I've recently rediscovered that the Pony Corral in town makes fries like that. And then we also put this up on our 680 CJOB Facebook page and we invite you to check that out. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff on our Facebook, all sorts of serious and important conversations, but hey, we can have some fun with with each other too, right? I put there that I miss the Superhero Burger from McDonald's, later known as the Hockey Hero Burger. Uh, Again, people saying McDonald's Pizza, the A&W Whistle Dog, and there was another, the McRib. Do you remember the McRib? I never had the McRib. But uh, yeah, we're, we're just getting all sorts of things on the McDonald's pizza. Someone says McDonald's box of cookies. That's right. McDonald's used to have boxes of cookies. And Elaine commenting on Facebook, not an item, but I miss the A&W drive-in restaurants. Somehow the food tasted better when it came from a tray hooked onto your window. And that just sounds like an experience that I would have loved to have tried. And Vince threw in a cur- he threw a curveball here. He texted us earlier this morning. Not a fast food item, but he says, not sure if you remember Orion's chips. Do you remember those? He says, probably early 90s. Yeah, it was uh, late 80s, early 90s. And he says, sour cream and onion and I think cheddar. Thick cut ripple chips loaded with flavor. Sure miss those. And Vince, I miss those as well. There was Orion's and I believe O'Grady's. And they were just these monstrous ripple chips. And I remember (laughs) eating a bag of sour cream and onion or sour cream and bacon I think it was Orion's chips. Can't remember if it was Orion's or O'Grady's. While I was watching Friday the 13th Part 7 at my aunt's house. Uh, It's just such a random memory, but it's so distinct. I think because of those darn chips, and I miss them so much. So you can continue to text us at 204-780-6868. Which fast food item do you miss the most? Doesn't have to be from McDonald's. It could be from Burger King it could be from Wendy's. I just miss having a Wendy's on Nairn. Remember when they had a Wendy's on Nairn? It's gone. McNabb is working from home, and that's the subject of our question of the day, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Child care issues force McNabb to attempt her first ever co-host from home day. How do you balance work and kids? So far, 40% say family helps us out. Another 40% say sick days with no other option. 20% say babysitters and daycare. And so far, no one has said work from home. I know there are. I actually have friends who sometimes have to work from home when there are issues with childcare. But log on, cast your vote at cjob.com. Also, if you want to see a picture of that sinkhole at Ness and Parkdale, it is gargantuan. We just put it up a few minutes ago on the 680 CJOB Instagram story. Now, Loren McNabb working from home. Uh, before we talk wine, we got to quickly talk health care. 
And believe me, I don't want to put pause on any conversation on wine, but <laughs> we want to talk about healthcare this morning because the province is kind of putting pause on this next phase of changes. Last week, we were just telling you how the WRHA said it wanted to start that closure at the ER at Concordia sometime late June. Well, now the health minister is saying that move from an ER to a walk-in clinic isn't quite where they want it to be. Cameron Friesen says that doesn't mean the change at Concordia isn't happening, just that they're not moving as quickly as anticipated. It's also one of the reasons why they've invited back Dr. David Peachy to Manitoba. He's basically the guy behind that report a few years ago that recommended closing these ERs. So he's coming back to Manitoba, and we've got a call out to him asking what's going to be analyzed and, and what changes this might have on the timeline. In the meantime, we're getting feedback from a lot of our listeners about what the latest changes mean to you. Uh, one writing to say that this healthcare rethink that Cameron Friesen mentioned yesterday is just a political stunt before the election call. I'm not sure if that's the case. And another actually wrote this, and I think this is interesting, saying that the worst part for me is the fact people have to self-diagnose before they can figure out which hospital is supposed to treat them. And in some ways, I can see where they're coming from, Brett, but I think that's kind of the point. I think that the, the system wasn't working in the sense that so many of us were just going to the ER because we didn't know what to do, and the ERs were jammed. And so now, so now and you know, unless you're like severely hurt yourself or you're maybe having a heart attack or a lot of really bad pain, they're saying, stop and think about where you're supposed to go. But I can appreciate how challenging that might be. If you feel sick, you just want to get that fixed real quick. The Winnipeg Wine Festival is on until May 4th. I know it only from the public tastings, but it's a full week-long event, and it's in support of Special Olympics Manitoba, the 18th annual Winnipeg Wine Festival presented by Manitoba Liquor Marts. And in studio with us, we have a man who probably, I would guess this is his favorite time of year. His name is Christopher Sprague. He is sommelier at 529 Wellington. And Christopher, is this in fact like your favorite time of the year? Oh, it's wine Christmas for sommeliers. Uh, it's great because we have so many winemakers and producers in town, and the wine festival itself is such a great opportunity to taste so many different wines at one time. And the theme region Spain this year, so it is even better. A bit about Spain because, you know, it's not traditionally the country, or at least in my mind, that we go to for wine. Has something changed over the last few years that's really brought it to the forefront? Well, I think what's happened in, in the wine world, Spain actually produces the most wine out of any country on earth. So they have more vines than anyone else. So their wine production is gigantic. We just in North America didn't see a lot of Spanish wines in the market as we do now, and it's growing and growing, which is great because it's so diverse in Spain. Spain has so many different climates, and because it has such great climate to grow grapes, they, some of their wines are compete with some of the best in the world at a better value. So especially when you're looking at Europe, but Spain can really, really be a superstar out there. No, Christopher, uh, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about you is is the, the level of knowledge that you have on any given wine, on uh, the way that it's grown, the climate, and, and a lot of that comes from personal experience because you go around the world to learn about this stuff. So have you been to Spain? And if so, what have you learned there? Oh, of course. Well, going to Spain is... For, for the wine world is amazing because, again, the diversity. Um, traveling through Spain, you can drive an hour, maybe even less, and be in a completely different region with a completely different wine uh, kind of uh, uh, thought. And 
the beauty of that is that the diversity of grapes is unbelievable. So you can have incredible white wines, you can have incredible uh, wines, red wines, and all within a very small uh, uh, geographical region. So it's not like in Canada where you have your wines growing in Ontario and and uh, British Columbia so far apart that they uh, uh, you can't travel that in a day. Where in Spain, you could be in the white wine region, you could be in a red wine region, all in a few moments. And the diversity is just amazing. That almost sounds a little dangerous to me, the fact that you could hit up that many uh, vineyards in that short amount of time. Like, what's your advice when you're doing those kinds of trips in terms of how you manage what you see and what you consume so that you're actually learning something along the way? Oh, research. It's the only way. Uh, thank God for the Internet and the wine world now. Before, you had to do all your research in books, which was much, much more difficult because you'd have to go through, uh, read so many different other opinions on wine. Now you can use the internet and find out for yourself. Uh, for me, I also like talking to other winemakers because winemakers like drinking wine too. So their opinion is hugely important when you when you start, especially if there's somebody new or maybe they there might be a family member that's doing something a little different or uh, just trying to uh, in- increase the wine world uh, through their through their knowledge is always welcome as well. Now, I know that the the feature wine is Spain, but of course, there'll be wine from all over the world. And I recently had an opportunity, uh, Christopher, to go to a restaurant on Cordon. I believe it's called Saparavi. It's a Georgian Georgian restaurant, and you can't even buy Georgian wine in this province, I think. And I've heard that that Georgian wine is unique based on its climate. Do you know anything about Georgia and its wine? Well, the beauty about Georgian wine, they say that Georgian wine is where it all began. So Georgian wines have been around for the the first recorded winery they found in Georgia, which still has history, is uh, over 10,000 years ago. So you're talking about vineyards and wine building and winemaking that has been around for more centuries than we've had written language. So Georgia is where a lot of the grape varieties we drink now originally came from Georgia. Um, I think through the communism, uh, when when they were really behind the Iron Curtain, their wine making became uh, very secondary. They made a lot of sweet wines that was uh, enjoyed by the people in, a, in, in their country. But now they're going back on track and making great wines again. I just wish more of them were over here. But I think that... Uh, they're on their way. There's some great wines being made in Georgia. Talking about the Winnipeg Wine Fest. And Chris, so modest. I, I just learned Manitoba president of CAPS, the Canadian Association of Professional Sommeliers. So he will be at the public tastings. There's one tonight from 7 to 10. There's one tomorrow afternoon from 1 to 4 and another from 7 to 10 at RBC Convention Centre. And Chris, I think this is such a great event for either those who maybe have a passing interest in wine or or... Uh, someone who just wants to learn about wine, like let's say you start dating somebody. And this is how exactly it went for me 10 years ago. I started dating somebody who liked wine. I didn't drink wine, but I wanted to make an effort. Went to the wine fest, loved it, but I found it a little intimidating at first. So for a first time person, uh, what would you recommend when you walk into the convention center? Well, there's a lot going on because there's so many different, well, the diversity of wines they're going to have at the at the show to for the next couple of days is huge. And there are thousands of different choices. I uh, kind of, I always use the handbook. I went through, first of all, I found a couple that I really liked and I'd always go taste those first. And then I kind of have like a, a game plan set out. So I taste through white wines first, then I go through red wines, then I have some sweet wines on the end. 
And I find that's the best way. It doesn't ruin your palate too much, and you can get through more wines that way, which is always better. So that's uh, the best way to tackle it. But find a few names that you know, and uh, once you, especially if you, like, let's say you like Cabernet Sauvignon, then taste a couple of different cabs, and then taste a couple of different cabs from a couple of different countries, and you can really hone in on what you prefer, and that and that can only happen in a tasting event like uh, like held at the wine festival because of the diversity. So maybe you want to drink Rieslings. There's going to be thirty different Rieslings to try, and that's the beauty of it. And try a couple that you've never seen before, and I think that's. That's that's where the education starts. And you start seeing that there's so many different wines out there, and you start learning the ones that you like the most. That's the most important I thing. Gone to the wine festival. Uh, one of the things I think is neat is I actually see people taking notes, which I wish I had done in the past because I know in terms of flavor what I like. But then, as Brett mentioned, it's overwhelming, and then you you leave and you're like, wait a minute, which one was that? that I liked anyway. So is that another good tip just to write a few things down as you go through the night or the afternoon? Uh, that works really well for me. I use my phone, camera phone. It's always the best. Take pictures of labels. Uh, that way you don't forget and uh, you can pull them up and recognize them again when you see them on the store shelf and be able to buy them again. Now I realize that for a lot of people, uh, they go to the wine fest. It's an excuse. You pay sixty-five bucks, and it's kind of a buffet of alcohol, but at every station, there are those buckets where you can, I guess, spit the wine out. Uh, so, would you, if you're, if you're truly interested in an education on wine, is that the way to go? You sip and then spit. Spitting is the proper way. So, they, well, uh, coming up with uh, the scientific evidence behind it. So, they say after you've had three full sips of wine, the alcohol is enough to dull your senses. So, if you're going to professionally taste. Um, you have to spit it out because the alcohol present will dull your taste buds and then you're not going to taste as well. So, of course, by once you're into the 20th or 50th taste, <laughs> there's not much tasting of anything at that point. So I, my rule of thumb is I spit everything I kind of like and only really, really taste and swallow the ones that I think are the best. Um, because there are just some very special wines that you just can't spit out. They're too expensive or too too nice to let that happen. I'll never forget well, when I was working in Zimbabwe a couple years ago, my sister came and we went to South Africa and we went through a couple of vineyards and she bought a case of wine. And then, of course, it never tasted as good the next day as we thought it had tasted the night before. So I appreciate the advice. Uh, I'm curious, can you go, can you dabble between... All the different wines in the sense of going from white to red to port to Riesling, like, does that make a difference in your wine tasting? I, well, it, again, for me, it's important to start with whites, move into reds, and then into something sweet. I think that's the best way your palate can handle it. But a great rule of thumb is to have a good glass of water in between. After every 10 sips or something like that, have a glass of water. It kind of clears out your mouth. And they always have uh, uh, little bread baskets as well. Those are actually there to clean your palate. So you need to kind of reset it so it, it can taste again. Once you taste one thing over and over again, it just kind of gets dull after a while. So that's the best way to reset the palate and go back in and change wines up and try something else. Well, and another cool thing about the Wine Fest uh, that they've had in years past, and I'm guessing, hopefully they'll do it again, is you can buy wine on site that you can't normally get, right? Yeah, so a lot of the wines that are going to be 
uh, at the festival are stuff that is new to the market or have never has never been in Manitoba before, and they have an on-site store so you can take them away. And it's one of the only chances to buy those wines, especially if it, if you if you realize it becomes very good or very popular. It's the one chance to buy it before because uh, they won't you'll never see them in the store sometimes. And sometimes these are very very small. Uh, allocated wines, as we say, so that maybe there's only a few cases around and it's the one chance to taste it and actually buy it. So it, it becomes important for people like me to fill up our uh, wine cellars a little bit at this time. Oh, did we just lose, I guess, McNabb's? Oh, she's there. She's still there. Go <laughs> no, ahead, McNabb. No, sorry. I honestly was thinking about what you mentioned, the word wine cellar. Like, are there, I, I notice now in so many homes you even go to, there's even the small wine cellars or like the small whacker wine. Are we reached that point now that it is really a more general thing in people's home? They, they may not have that big, huge cellar in their basement, but people are stocking up more on wines? Very, very much so. Um, I, I, the... Uh, one of the greatest statistics I ever heard was in Manitoba that the average bottle life, so from purchase to consumption, is usually within a half an hour. So people buy a lot of wines to consume that night, but there's a more of a trend to buy wines now and to keep it longer, right? So some wines age very well. So after uh, maybe six months, two years, 10 years, they can taste much better. So that's a good reason to what we call lay them down. Also, uh, you have the ability to buy more than one uh, wine sometimes. So if you buy three bottles of something, you can taste it over a, a period of a few years and see how much it changes. And it's also good to have an extra couple of bottles at home. So a wine cellar never is a bad thing for that. Christopher Sprague is the sommelier at 529 Wellington. He is Manitoba president of CAPS, the Canadian Association of Professional Sommeliers, and he'll be at the public tastings. Are you going to be at all three of them? Uh, Saturday night, no, i got to work at 5 tonight. Okay, well, <laughs> tonight and tomorrow afternoon then? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so enjoy. So if you go to WineFest, make sure you go say hi. Tell them you heard them on 680 CJOB. Tonight's at 7 to 10, tomorrow afternoon 1 to 4, and then Saturday 7 to 10. And go to 529 Wellington and talk to Christopher there. He will give you... Uh, wonderful experience as you enjoy something new. Chris, thanks for coming by. Always a pleasure to have you in studio. Great to see you guys. We've been talking this morning as well about healthcare, specifically Concordia, and we're getting some feedback from listeners. Well, we just heard Cameron Friesen in the news run with Jeff Braun saying that he's bringing Dr. Peachy, the consultant, back in to take a look at the system and that he's going to be happy to stand in the hallways in two weeks' time and tell listeners and people, Manitobans, what the next phase might look like. But right now, it sounds like from the government's perspective that they're putting pause on that closure of the Concordia ER that was supposed to happen in June. Well, we're a little bit confused now because we're also getting some text messages from listeners saying they've been told the closure is on schedule, that it is happening in June, and that some nurses and staff there have already gotten their deletion notices, which means their job will be gone and then they'll have to reapply to enter the system elsewhere, and that they've been told it's moving ahead as planned. And so one of the listeners said that uh, one of their loved ones was told that as early as Wednesday, so just 48 hours ago. So I'm not sure what the messaging is from staff, but I, I'm concerned and, and a little curious how this might add to the confusion out there, Brett. So you may have heard uh, you listening to the radio station right now. There was a little bit of a delay, so we just want to explain what's happening. Loren McNabb is working from home right now because her husband's on call. She's got kids. Someone's got to stay home to watch the kids. So we found a solution where we she can do it. We have technology that allows her to pipe into the broadcast from home, but sometimes there's a bit of a delay. So as we move through this next segment, if you hear 
me say something and then you hear it again, but fainter. That's why it's because of that delay in case you're curious as to what's going on. Now, as we get ready to introduce our next guest, Loren, there's just o- over a week to go until Mother's Day. And while many of us are thinking about what kind of gift we could or should buy, our next guest has another suggestion. Yeah, and I might be putting some words in their mouth here, but I think the suggestion would be pretty simple. It would be the gift of a visit, of your time, or maybe even a hug. So we're going to introduce you to a woman named Lillian Finney, and she's from Cape Breton, but she has family here in Winnipeg. And family clearly means everything to her. When her daughter passed away, she took her two grandchildren in under her roof, and when a friend also died, she also helped care for that friend's son, and daughter. But something that's been bugging Lillian over this past year, she has seven kids, 11 grandkids, 11 great grandkids, which is amazing. And Lillian is now 85. And so it's been challenging to travel. And when her one year old great granddaughter living in Winnipeg was born, Lillian couldn't get here to meet here. And that and they couldn't come to Lillian, at least not until they got some help from Wish of a Lifetime. Lillian, Lillian joins us on the phone now for more. Good morning, Lillian. Hi. How are you today? Oh, we're great. And this story just warms my heart. I want to ask first about your great-grandchildren and your grandchildren. So you've met every single one of them except Dakota. Yes, because Dakota lives in Winnipeg in a place called Neverville. And they both work there, her dad and her mom, and they love Winnipeg, and they bought a home there. So I knew she was the only one I wouldn't be able to see. So the wish of a lifetime granted me my wish and flew them home to see me for six days. So the the meeting then came through with wish of a lifetime, but how did it come about? Like, how did they, did you reach out to them or did they get wind of your story? My daughter, my daughter looked into it and she was the one who started it. And that's how it started. And then from there on, my wish was granted. So I was really happy about it. I was really excited because I'm, like I said, I'm 85 years old and I know I wouldn't see Dakota because they live in Winnipeg, and and I've never been in Winnipeg, but I heard some lovely stories about it. My grandson loves Winnipeg. They both have good jobs, and they love out there, and as I said, they bought a new home, and that's where they'll be bringing up Dakota in Winnipeg. Well, I was laughing when you mentioned uh, Niverville and that area earlier because I'm not only a big fan of Winnipeg, but I'm a big fan of that area as well. Uh, I'm a rural Manitoban Lillian, so I appreciate your family's desire to to live where they are living. I, I want to know why it was so important for you to meet your granddaughter, and when you saw her for the first time, what what was your first thought? Well, actually, she was in her mother's arms, and she came right to me as if she'd known me since the day she was born. And I was so happy about that. And uh, like I said, I can't travel because I have health issues. And I'd never get to Winnipeg. And I've all of the grand, great-grandchildren. She's the only one I have never seen. I've seen all of the rest but, but her. But now I've seen her, and she spent six days with me, and I'm very happy. Now, we understand as well, Lillian, uh, that as far as you're concerned, family is not just family. It's it's more than just blood. Why is that? Well, I've always thought so much of my family because 
my own family, my sisters and brothers, there was 12 of us, and there's only two of us living. So I really don't have family of my own on my own side. So my own family are everything to me. Uh, we're hearing too, and I was explaining to listeners that, you know, when your daughter passed away, you took in your grandchildren and when your friend yes, had yes. her own health issues and passed away, why, why did you do that? Why was it so important to take on someone else's kids? Not well, just your grandkids, because, but your friend's kids. Well, my friend's kids were like family to me too. They came here and they, they loved coming to my house. And when their birthdays came up, I'd have the birthday party here for them. And as my daughter that passed away, she passed away before my grandson got married. And she never did see her grandchildren. So I'm really close to them. And my daughter, Shelly, babysits them at my house so I can see them. And this is what we do. So before we let you go, Lillian, uh, do you think there will be any other, any further opportunities down the road to see Dakota? Well, I, have, I don't really know, like Mitchell said, that maybe in five years he'll be back again. And, and like also Mitchell's mother, my daughter, Gail, she lives in New Brunswick, and she came home too for this. So, and like maybe I'll never see Dakota again, but I'm so happy that I've seen her. And every one of my family came to the house on Monday, and they all met Dakota. So everyone, because of the Wish Foundation, they all had the opportunity of seeing Dakota. Lillian Finney joining us live this morning from Cape Breton. Thank you so much for taking some time to share this incredibly heartwarming story. Well, thank you so much for doing it for me. And, and I'm happy that my son, grandson lives in a good place like Winnipeg. All right, Lillian Finney, thank you very much. So once again, Estella's Pharma Canada and Wish of a Lifetime made Mother's Day come early for Lillian Finney as she was able to meet her great-granddaughter, Dakota, who is one-year-old and living in Winnipeg. Everyone went out to see her out east. There is a young man in this studio that I can't wait to hear play the drums. What is the story here? How did they end up here? And I'm so sorry I can't see this in person, but I cannot wait to hear this. So earlier this week, I think it was on Wednesday, we get this phone call in the newsroom and I pick up the phone and it's a guy. He says, hi, my name's Terry. I want to invite you to see the greatest live drum show Ever, which is a pretty bold statement. But I was like, okay, I'll bite. What would make this the greatest live drum show ever? And he says the drummer is four years old. His name is Atlas Axel. His dad's name is Tyler David. They're both in studio, four years old, Brett. I would love to be there to see uh, how cute this looks right now. Well, they are getting ready to play. The band name is Crystal Calibration, and they're going to give us a little bit of the sampling. And again, Atlas Axel, four years old, on the drums with Tyler Deva. Guys, take it away.
God, that was sensational. Well done, you guys. Well done. Once again, Crystal Calibration, Atlas Axel, four years old on the drums, his dad, Tyler Deva, on guitar, and we didn't have him mic'd up for singing, so sorry about that. But here, let's get you guys in here. So we'll get Tyler up to the microphone. And Atlas, if you want to come over as well, you're welcome to come sit. Uh, why don't we put Alice over here just at that mic where you're, you're sitting, if that's okay, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, and I know we're doing everything on the fly here. So we'll just go around there, young lad. I always wanted to be a drummer, and actually our producer, Jeff Fortier, is a drummer as well. So, Jeff Fortier, how would you grade the performance you just saw? Oh, he blows me out of the water. I, I, I got no words. Yeah, yeah, the reaction was genuine, too, coming from from Jeff. So, so Tyler, how long, uh, like, how did the, the drumsticks end up in your son's hands? Uh, before the drumsticks, it was markers and pencil crayons, and before that, it was a spoon and a fork on his tray. He yeah. was just he, he was just, just doing it yeah, instinctively. Yeah, we always have music kind of playing in the background a lot of the time, so he would just pick up on it and wanted to play around with it. So, Dad. yes, become the mic. You can say hi. Say hi. Hi. You put the <laughs> headphones on if you want to, or again, you can listen. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Good. So you're four years old. When's your birthday? October twelfth. October twelfth. So you're halfway to five then. Yeah. More than halfway. So, how long have you been playing the drums now? How long? I don't know how long. Even like two years. Probably probably about two years. We got him his first kit when he was mm. two and a half. This <laughs> for this kit came from when he was two and a half. Oh. So are you going to be a rock uh, superstar drummer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, is this the, like you want to do be in a rock band then? Like a like a who's your favorite band? Do you have a favorite band? Smashing Pumpkins. The Smashing Pumpkins, wow! <laughs> and uh, is that because you're a fan yeah, of the Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we kind of carried that, that <laughs> tradition on. We actually went and saw Smashing Pumpkins in Edmonton uh, last October. Really? Yeah. And now, do you, do you find that there's any particular drummer that he, he takes after? Like, like, how did he learn how to play the drums? He likes watching Foo Fighters a lot. He likes Taylor Hawkins a lot. So uh, he watches... And, it, and, um... Taylor Hawkins? Yeah, Taylor Hawkins. And what's Smashing Pumpkins drummer? Do you remember his name? No, Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins, too. He really likes Yeah. So, Crystal Calibration, do you guys actually do live performances? We've been doing open mics <laughs> a lot lately, and we do have a show on Sunday, like uh, like Loren was saying, Sunday at uh, XQ's, okay. uh, 551 Sergeant. That's at 3 o'clock. It's, an, it's another open mic, but we're hosting it. Atlas is actually hosting it. Um, we have a show coming up in June, too. You're hosting it, Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called Sunday Church for Bad Guys, and he is the sermon. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny, like, we, we sometimes forget, or we assume that because kids are kids, that they can't do anything other than be kids. And then you remember, no, they're, they are human beings who are more than capable of learning. Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember watching a video of uh, young Bruno Mars, I think he was like three years old, doing mm-hmm. his full Elvis bit routine and thinking man i was blown away by that and i what i felt now is the same thing to see him do that so when you see when you're playing with atlas uh is it hard to like how do you separate the proud dad from band member uh well i get a little bit of a a little bit of a uh kind of like a well i make him work hard i do make him work hard but then i notice when it's not becoming fun Right, so uh, there is focus. So we need to focus. We need to work hard. We need to, 
but we also need to play hard. So there's rewards for when he, he focuses and stuff like that. And he loves it, though. He really does enjoy performing and getting on stage. He loves doing this kind of stuff. He, so he's totally into it. There's a baby in here, by the way. I had no idea there was <laughs> yeah. a... Where did that come this from? Is, this is Orion. This is the newest one. Oh my goodness, you did a great job of hiding a baby in here. I had no idea. I, I would clearly be the world's worst security guard because you just slipped that one right past. Ah. Great names, by the way, Atlas and Orion. That's amazing. So, Thank you. So the, the, what happens then when Atlas gets older and, and says, Dad, I don't really uh, want to play with you anymore. Well, then I keep playing and I find a new drummer and he does what he wants to do because he's his own thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Just it so happens that right now it works out because he likes it and I like it. So Okay. So you can follow, where can we follow you guys on social media or online? Uh, Atlas has an Instagram account at, at, at Atlas underscore Axel. And I also have an Instagram account. It's Tyler underscore Deva, at Tyler underscore Deva. And I have a Facebook account. Tyler Q. Deva. And then Deva is spelled D-E-V-A, D-E-V-A. And, and Axel is spelled A-X-L. Did you got, did you want to play the drums for a few more seconds before you go, Atlas? You want to go jam them out? Go play a little drums. You want to get back on the drums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go do it. So Atlas is going to run back okay. over to the drums here. Do a little drum solo. Yeah. Uh, this is a real treat, by the way, Atlas, for, for us in the studio and for our listeners. Wait, so wait, we're wait, really wait, excited that you came in. Rock it, rock it. <laughs> Louder, Dad says. Just give her. Just fixing the the symbols, the hi hat. I think that's what that's called. Again, this is a four year old. Amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you so much. Atlas, Axel, Tyler Deva, his dad. The band is Crystal Calibration. They've got a show on Sunday at XQs on Sargent. We thank you so much for coming in to, to meet us and for, for giving us this gift of uh, seeing your thank boy you. perform. It's thank you for tremendous. having us. Say thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.